This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. Today's scripture reading is from Acts 6, verses 8 through 15. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom of the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified. This fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Wow. Isn't this something outside? It's like nuclear winter or something. Actually, it makes me feel right at home. Um, You know I grew up in Los Angeles, and uh, this was just a a regular spring day in L.A. So uh, I'm used to breathing in this particulate matter. (sighs) Ah. Remember the Moody Blues, breathe deep, the gathering gloom? That's kind of what's going on here today. I'll tell you what, I didn't think we'd experience this in Alaska, but we are, and I'm used to it, so don't worry about us. Okay. Well. Uh, I had a life-changing experience um, the end of my senior year in high school. I was 17, about to turn 18, and I went to a place that I'd heard about, but had never been to before. It's called Arlington National Cemetery in Washington, D.C., and uh, I remember walking through the cemetery and uh, looking uh, at the grave markers, and I came across one that had a profound impact on me, one which I'll never forget. It was a... A young man, he was 19 at the time of his death, a Vietnam-era veteran. And on his headstone, these words were written, To those who have fought for it, freedom is a taste the protected will never know. And that just pierced my heart. And I think perhaps for the very first time, I began to understand that the freedoms that I enjoy uh, in this country are a result of those who are willing to sacrifice, who are willing to serve and, if necessary, lay down their life for something greater than themselves and for people other than themselves. And that really shaped me. That was formative in my experience. I'm so grateful for those of you Uh, who have served in our armed forces, who are serving in our armed forces. Um, We owe you a a debt of gratitude. I don't want today to pass um, without you hearing that from me. 
Um, today, as we look into the scriptures, we're coming to a, another important moment here in the book of Acts in the life of the church. It centers around a man named Stephen. Now, last week we became acquainted with Stephen. Stephen uh, was a Jew uh, of um, Greek background and culture. And he was among the seven that were selected to to serve in the church um, that freed up uh, the apostles to, to teach and to pray. But Stephen's work was not only serving the widows in the church, uh, but he was also an evangelist. And we encounter him as we move on in Acts in that way, uh, as an evangelist. Now, Stephen is a, is a wonderful model for us of what a um, healthy missional Christian looks like. Remember last week we defined healthy and missional? Let's look at that again. Healthy means pursuing Christ. Uh, in his pursuit of Christ, Stephen was conformed more and more and more to the image of Jesus so that, in fact, his very character and how he expressed himself um, reflected Jesus Christ. He was healthy in that he was a man who pursued Christ. But he was missional. And we're going to see him in, in this role today. In that, he was pursuing Christ's priorities in the world. And so we here at Community Covenant Church, we want to be a healthy missional church. We want to be a church made up of followers of Jesus who are healthy, that is, they pursue Christ, and they're missional, that is, they pursue Christ's priorities in the world. And we're going to see this in the life of Stephen. It's interesting, as we think of what it means to be healthy and missional, you notice the health is vital to the ability to live missionally. In other words, Stephen is an example of a person who pursues Christ. As a result, he has Christ's character in his life. And because of that character, he is then able to move out into the world and to pursue Christ's priorities. And sometimes we think we want to be a part of maybe what Christ is doing in the world, but we want to take a shortcut. The shortcut is, we're not committed to being healthy. And I would contend, in order to pursue Christ's priorities in the world, you and I have to pursue Christ first. Does that make sense? That all that we do and express as we live out our faith in the world as a result of the life of Christ in us and then through us. That's so important. But here's the question. Remember, I asked this question last week. We're going to come back to it over and over and over again because it's a centering question. It's a challenging question, but also is a question that gives invitation. And here it is. To what extent are we, that's you and I, willing to be inconvenienced and sacrifice our comfort to pursue Christ and His priorities in the world? Now, the, the reason that experience for me 
was so formative at Arlington National Cemetery because I was confronted with the reality of a young man who was about my age who was willing to give his life away for something greater than himself. In that case, it was the service of his nation. But as Christians, we are called to give our lives away for something greater than ourselves. Uh, And the question then remains, then what are we going to do with that call? To what extent are we willing to be inconvenienced? To reprioritize our lives? To live differently as a result of the reality of Christ in our lives? And are we willing to sacrifice our comfort? Are we willing to go to uncomfortable places to do uncomfortable things for the cause of Christ? That's the question. And today we see Stephen as a follower of Jesus who says, yes. Yes, I'm willing to do that. And he serves as that model. But there are Christians all around the world who are doing that. Um, You may have been reading the news and you know about a woman in Sudan, Miriam Ibrahim. She is a new bride. She's 27 years old and eight months pregnant. But she's in prison right now and she has been handed the death penalty by a Sudanese court. Why? Because she refuses to renounce her faith in Jesus Christ. She's certainly being inconvenienced, isn't she? She certainly is willing to sacrifice her comfort, in this case her life, because she refuses to renounce her faith in Jesus Christ. Not only has she been sentenced to death, but she's been found guilty of adultery. Let me explain that. Under Sharia law, the government does not recognize her marriage to a Christian man. Therefore, because she married a Christian man, she's committing adultery. And because of that, she's been sentenced to a hundred lashes. So she's been sentenced to a hundred lashes for adultery and to death for refusing to announce Christ. This is happening right now, today, in the world. She was a woman born, her father was Muslim, and her mother a Christian. Although she never claimed the Muslim faith because her father is a Muslim, Again, under Sharia law, she's considered, what, an adherent to the Muslim faith. This is a real example, an extreme example. But it's happening so many times around the world and other places that we're not even aware of, of men and women who, like Stephen in our passage today, are willing to be inconvenienced, sacrifice their comfort, and yes, even give their lives for the sake of the gospel. Can we pray right now for Miriam? I just am compelled to do that. Can we do that as a congregation? Father, we pray for for Miriam right now. And Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that your presence in her life would give her strength. Father, thank you for her testimony that she is standing for you even at the risk of her life. Father, I pray that you would raise up those from within Sudan and those from outside who would exert pressure and influence, that her life would be spared, 
that she would not need to be martyred for the sake of Christ. Father, I thank you that she is representative of those throughout history and those even today in other places in the world who are living for you at the cost of comfort and at great inconvenience and even at the risk of their lives. Father, we pray that your spirit would be at work in this situation for her husband, for her family, God. We ask that your justice would prevail. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Stephen um, is known as the first martyr of the Christian faith. What we're going to see happening here in the rest of chapter 6 and in chapter 7 is a pivotal moment in the movement of Christianity. What we're going to see happen is Christianity is going to move, the movement's going to be primarily moved from being Judean to non-Judean. We're going to see for the first time a very clear differentiation between Judaism and Christianity. In other words, we're going to see that Christianity really is a separate faith from Judaism. And Stephen is going to be the one that's going to be the hinge that's going to create that movement here. And what we're going to see happen is, um, is the movement and the leadership of the movement change from being primarily one that's led by Peter, who is an apostle to the Jews, to Paul, who is an apostle to the Gentiles. And so what we're going to be looking at here in these next few weeks is we're going to spend a few weeks here in, in, in this chapter 6 and 7. It's that important to our understanding of the movement of Christianity out of Judea and into the world. But what we're going to see here is a hinge. A hinge in which the whole movement is going to change and take a new shape and a new form. But it's going to begin right here with this man, Stephen. Now, as I said, Stephen is the first martyr of the Christian faith. And martyr... Um, in the Greek, the word martyr literally means the word that we have in English. It means witness in Greek, but that's where we get our English word martyr from. Okay? So he is a witness who is going to be martyred. That's our English word that we get, or, you know, we get it from. And what that means is that Stephen is going to give his life for his faith. Now, when we think about that, and we think about what are the qualifications for a person who wants to live boldly for Christ in the world, we see in chapter 6 the qualifications. Now, you might think, well, maybe Stephen was a very learned man. Stephen was a man with great education. He went to the best university. Or maybe Stephen was a man with great experience. Or maybe Stephen had all these earthly qualifications that made him capable of living so boldly for the gospel and for Jesus. But what we're going to find here in the scripture is what made Stephen such a bold person were the same things available to you and to I. This is what it says. It says, number one, Stephen was a man full of faith. A man full of faith. Really what that means is, he was a man full of faith in Jesus Christ. That faith meant that he was willing to trust Christ. To take Jesus at his word. 
And because he was willing to trust Jesus and take Jesus as his word, he was willing to live a radical life for Jesus. He was able to stand and be a witness for Christ at the cost of his life because he was a man who trusted Jesus and took Jesus at his word. He was a man of great faith. The Scripture says he was a man full of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit of God. His spiritual life, his pursuit of Christ resulted in a, in a daily, ongoing submission to the Spirit of God, in which the Spirit of God flowed in him and through him. It was the Spirit of God that, that enabled him to, to preach or to evangelize and to perform signs and wonders. It was the Spirit of God in him. He couldn't do that in his own strength. He had great faith. He was full of faith. He trusted Jesus. He took Jesus at his word. He was full of the Spirit. The Spirit empowered his life for ministry. And he was also full of grace. Literally, what that means is, there was so much grace in his life that that grace shaped his character and that he was a gracious person. A gracious person. That he exuded grace and graciousness in his expression of his faith as he lived his faith. It's an amazing thing that a man full of faith, a man full of Holy Spirit, would be remembered as a man full of the grace of God and that it shaped his very character that he was known for his graciousness. Now, sometimes we think of a gracious person as maybe a weak person, right? Some people think that. Well, they're gracious, they must be weak. Hardly. He was a meek man, but in the biblical sense. Meekness as Christ was meek, right? A great strength in his life, at the foundation, the core of his being, as a result of his relationship with Christ. And he was a man who could be gracious, but he was a man who could stand up because he had stand-up character. And it's really interesting as we, we read the story about him here, it says that he is, he's evangelizing, uh, there's He's ministering in great power. There are signs and wonders that are taking place. And there's opposition that he encounters from um, two groups. Uh, well, actually, four uh, groups of Jews. One are the freedmen. And really, they are descendants of Jewish slaves in Pompeii who were liberated and had a community in Rome. Uh, that happened about 63 A.D. So this is the generations that followed of freedmen. These were descendants of free, free Jewish slaves. And uh, then there were the Cyrenes and the Alexandrians. They're from North Africa. They were Jews from, from those places. Uh, and then you had uh, those from, from Asia. Uh, and that was Asia Minor, where, 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 where Turkey is. Uh, and then the last place that the Scripture says is Cilicia, again in Asia Minor, and that would be the hometown of the Apostle Paul. At this time, he's Saul of Tarsus. And so he is preaching the Gospel, and he's receiving opposition from these four groups. Now, these are non-Hebrews. 
uh, Hebraic Jews. These are Jews that are Hellenistic in their orientation, heavily influenced by Greek culture. And they accuse him of something, actually two things. They accuse him of blasphemy because he is teaching against the law of Moses, they say, and he's teaching against God. And in particular, what that means is he's teaching um, about the temple and the role of the temple in faith, which is contrary to the Hebrew Jews' understanding and even the Hellenistic Jews' understanding of the central role of the temple. Now, those two things, his teaching of the law and his teaching of the role of the temple are really going to distinguish theologically, make a huge distinction between Judaism and the Christian faith. We're going to study that next week, okay? But they're so angry at him, they can't stand up to him because he has stand-up character. And his ability to preach with wisdom and to preach in the power of the Spirit gave him both inspiration and wisdom that they couldn't stand up to. So what do they do? They bear false witness against him. And they do the same thing to him that was done to Jesus. But here's the difference. Uh, Under Jewish law, you could only put somebody to death for blasphemy. But they couldn't prove Jesus' blasphemy, so they took him to Pilate, remember? And he was really... Uh, executed for sedition or treason. They involved Rome in that. Here, with Stephen, they're going to get him for blasphemy. And ultimately, he's going to be martyred because of what he's teaching. All right? So that's what's going to happen here to him. But as he is standing before them, and as they bring him before the Sanhedrin, as they bring these false charges... It says that he has a face like that of an angel. And here it is ironic that they're teaching, they're accusing him of contradicting, contradictory, being contradictory to Moses' teaching. Okay? But Moses, as you remember, as he received the law, came down from the mountain. What did his face look like? He had the Shekinah glory of God, right? A very similar appearance because he had spent time with God. Here, Stephen, because of his character, a man full of faith, a man full of the Spirit, uh, a man full of grace, a man of great power and wisdom, a man who has had great communion with God, which is evident because he has a face like an angel, is falsely accused of blasphemy, and they're using Moses' law to accuse him. Ironically, he had the same, what? countenance that Moses had because Stephen had spent time with God. I mean, it's a powerful, powerful thing. And so what are the qualifications for us? Isn't it great to know that any man or woman in this congregation, one who wants to be a healthy Christian, one who wants to pursue Christ, any one of us who would commit to doing that, Any one of us who would commit to conforming more and more to the image of Christ and allowing the Holy Spirit of God to do that work in us, that we could be men and women full of faith, that that we could be men and women full of the Spirit, that we could be men and women full of 
grace. And as a result, we could be men and women who live our lives in the power of the Holy Spirit and with His wisdom. Do you understand that? Do you understand that that's not exclusive? That's available to all of us who desire to be healthy Christians to pursue Christ if we make that our priority? Do you recognize that? And so you may be sitting here today and say, I never went to seminary. I don't have great experience in ministry. I've never taught a Sunday school class. I know very little. I haven't read the Bible from, from beginning to end. And you can go on and on and on and, and mention all the things that you think disqualify you from being used of God. But we see in Stephen an example of a model for you and for me. What are the qualifications? What is it that makes his ministry so significant? It's that he has stand-up character. He's a healthy Christian. He's pursued Christ. And as a result, he pursues Christ's priorities in the world. What a wonderful example. And it was that example of his life, he had such stand-up character that they couldn't do anything about him and what he was saying except to bring what? False accusation against him. Because he was beyond reproach. You and I can be men and women full of faith. You and I can be men and women full of the Spirit. You and I can be men and women full of grace. You and I can be men and women that pursue Christ's priorities in the world in His power and His wisdom. That's available to all of us. Do you see that? I remember... Early, early, early on um, in my Christian walk, I was at a church with godly people, just so godly older men and women, like like Lil and, and Hank, for example. Okay, like we have here. I mean, men and women of faith that just serve as wonderful examples for us. Um, Ralph and Gert. I'd go on and on, right? And we were at a church like that. And I remember walking home from a men's Bible study one evening. And I remember saying to myself, Oh God, why can't I be like Bud Wonderly? I want to be a man of faith like Bud Wonderly. Oh God, why, why can't I be a man? I want to be a man full of the Spirit like Monty Montgomery. Alright? And in my walk home, because we live close to the church, I just kept mentioning all these, these men of faith that I admired. Jack Steffens. All these guys are with the Lord now. Right? And I remember that night, I remember looking up and just crying out to God, Oh God, why can't I be like them? You know? And it was one of those moments when you kind of cry out to God, and, and, but you don't expect to hear an answer. Right? Now, I didn't hear audibly. But in my heart, in my spirit, this is, this is what I heard. Okay? Todd, quit trying so hard. Only I can make you into the man of God you desire to be. Now let me do that. Okay? So it's not our own strength. It starts with a desire. And this morning as we 
um, are challenged to be a healthy missional church. A church full of men and women who are healthy and missional. I want to invite you, wherever you are in your faith, as we consider where we're headed as a church and what your role is going to be, to start with a conversation with God, to express your desire to be a a man or a woman full of faith, full of the Spirit, full of His grace, your desire to, to live in the world for Christ with His power and His wisdom. Would you just express that desire to Him? Because that's where it starts. It starts with that stand-up character that comes from the formation that God wants to do in our lives. And as you express that desire to Him, would you just say to Him, Lord God, Holy Spirit, fall afresh on me. Do in me what only You can do that I might become a healthy missional man or woman of faith to pursue Christ and His priorities in the world and Your power and in Your wisdom. Lord, only You can produce that in my life. I'm willing. I'm willing. That's His invitation today. That's His invitation to you and me today. As the worship team comes up, there may be some of you who say, you know what, that's what I want. I want to pray that. I want to, I want to express that desire to somebody. Um, there'll be people in the back to pray with you. I'd love to pray with you. As we recommit ourselves corporately and, and individually um, to being healthy missional Christians, full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, full of grace, living in His power and His wisdom.